Hey everybody, welcome to the Bang Broadcast, episode number 277. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing the top geek stories of the past week. Next is The List, the comic books we are looking forward to, coming out September 23rd, 2015. We follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. This week, we are bringing you something that Paul made up. It's called Back to Cool. Yeah, it's uh, to celebrate uh, back-to-school season here in the United States. Uh, so this, these are characters or, uh, or storylines well, story that brought you back to characters that you thought were cool back in the day, maybe had a little falling out of, and then you're like, oh, right, that's what makes this character cool. Uh, so back-to-school, back-to-cool. It works, and you know what else works? What else works? Beer? Alcohol? Functional alcoholics. Hey! <laughs> yes, they work. They don't just sit at home and drink. Uh, but you know what doesn't really work for me? McFanny Baugh? McFanny Baugh. Yeah. Uh, can you... Okay, can you say this again for everyone else that's listening? Because when you told me the name of the beer, I was like, wait, what? Can you Who is this spy? Uh, it's called McFanny Baugh. Uh, which I don't, it's a guy, there's a guy on a half a keg floating down the river playing the bagpipes. Uh, this is a bourbon barrel aged smoke gal, uh, which would be considered, and this is where things get a little funny here. Well, I guess, uh, it's a ranch bar, which is a German law smoked lager. So I don't understand why this guy is wearing a kilt and the bagpipes because it's aged in bourbon barrels which is american yeah i don't get it uh i also don't enjoy this beer too much um we thought it might have been a little infect infected when we opened it because um it started fuzzing out of the top and poured mostly head and it does have that same kind of qual, a little bit of that same kind of sour quality that the, we got from the anniversary that the, we kept on getting infected bottles would, out. You would get with an infected ale, but like the like tartness is also a little salty, which there's uh, a alderwood smoked salt in this. So I don't know if it's the infection or just that it's got like a little salt tart thing going on with it. What do we mean by infected again? Um, is this a Google ask? No, like infected, just there's something that was in the bottle or in the cask, something that when it went into the bottle and was sealed up, kept reacting like harder in it. And that's why we got so much foam coming mm-hmm. out of it. And you would get that tartness. Um, because it's basically dementing the, the yeast and everything in there. And the flavors and the everything. Flavors. It's throwing everything off. But, I mean, you get the smoke. You don't really get any bourbon. No. Um, but you get that tart. Oh, no, it's all that sour tart. No. And a little yeah, a little salty, yeah, on the back end. But that's um, not enjoyable. No. Uh, I think it was like an $18 bottle, too. Ooh, I'm sorry. But I saw bourbon barrel-aged smoked ale, and I was like, oh, that can't it, go wrong. But then again, you said it's a German-style smoked lager, and they're calling it, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, this is from Against the Grain Brewery. In uh, Louisville, Did Kentucky. I say that? Uh, no, 8.5%. I don't know. I, I wasn't that great. And I wouldn't bother spending the money to buy it again to try to see if I got a better bottle. That's depressing. 
So you, you think as a whole, like the beer is just kind of something to be considered a loss? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, you know, Chris, what are you drinking? Well, you didn't really give too much of your thoughts. I, I, I did. I, 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 it's just sour. Just okay. and the it just tastes like infected, like John was saying. So, uh, not Sorry. not enjoying it. So I, you were in your normal robust self. Uh, well, the Bills lost today, so you know I'm a little uh, down. Uh, which is kind of like sad and funny because when I was uh, walking around Epcot today and then downtown Disney, I saw a lot of people actually wearing Bills stuff. Mm-hmm. Because ain't nobody like the Patriots. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's that's one of the players for the Buffalo Bills was asked, you know, uh, you know, going up against the Patriots, you know. Basically, the Bills were saying that uh, I think everybody in the league is pulling for the Buffalo Bills to beat the New England Patriots this week because nobody likes the Patriots. Hmm. I did see somebody held up a sign that said, uh, who's the Patriots quarterback? Brady. Brady steals his neighbor's Wi-Fi. <laughs> We can, can we confirm that, or are we just going to run with it? Yes, or we should run with it. <laughs> Made me chuckle. Uh, <laughs> but Chris, what are you drinking? Yes. Um, sadly, I went to my local beer store, and I couldn't find the Redanculus and the um, the Clown Shoes, I forget what it was called. The Coffee Pump uh, Rex. Oh, Rex, Imperious yeah. Rex. The one you said has like the, uh, the T-Rex on the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I decided just to go with like a fallback brewery, something that I could just kind of stock up with. And Magic Hat has their new uh, fall seasonal like sampler pack out. It's the Night of the Living Dead pack, and I I really enjoy Magic Hat. They're kind of a standby brewery for me. All their stuff's drinkable, even if it's not knockout. Mm-hmm. Like I don't consider like a bad sampler pack from them like a loss at all. Um, so I picked up this one. And it has three new beers and then it has their magic hat number nine as a filler um and the first one i have here is the ale which is an irish style red ale hmm. uh, i i can't argue the fact that yes this is an irish style red ale okay. like a step above something like the killians okay well that's um, good though because it is but i would say like a step above a killian still puts you kind of behind like a Sam Adams or something. Oh, really? You know, it's it's not great, but it's not bad. It's it's drinkable. Like I will easily finish the rest of this and the like other two bottles of it I have and be like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I kind of expect now. Whenever you say you have a Magic Hat sampler, I'm like, okay, it'll be just decent enough to not be uh, a drain pour, but yeah. uh, but nothing to really wow you. And yeah, I'm still giving you the number nine, like, as a filler for everything. It's just kind of like, eh. I, I think that's like a, like, they're a fallback brewery for me. That's a fallback beer for people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, even if they don't know anything else from Magic Hat, they can probably, like, point out the number nine. You know, they, they probably had it at some point. So mm-hmm. for them, like, hey, you know what? At least 25% of this case is something I'm going to enjoy. And it is just about everywhere. Yeah. Magic, you know, number nine. You can find it anywhere. And it actually might get somebody who's had number nine pick up that craft pack. Because, okay. you know what? I know I know I'm going to like this beer. I'll try these other ones. 
Well, that's what we used to complain about Sam Adams, always including their Boston Lager, though. And Magic Hat does the same thing. Yeah, but Magic, I mean, but, I mean, Magic Hat's been around since like what early two thousands nineties. Yeah, and also I think this is it's a little bit different because in this case you're getting four beers, you get three of each. With right. the Sam Adams sampler packs, were they giving you like six beers, five, two of each? Like, yeah. They were giving you a lot more of the Sam Adams one. And Sam- like, didn't you actually like write the company and be like, "Hey, we bought a sampler pack and we had like six in here, and there was only like two of these other beers, and then they were like, "Yep, that's how we do it. Thanks for your interest." <laughs> I think that's what happened. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know if I dreamed of that. Because, I mean, I do have dreams about Paul writing letters to companies often. Mm-hmm. But. The other thing is, is Sam Adams, as a beer company, has been around for, like, 30 years. And I think everyone's had that Boston lager. You know? You'll need six of them in a 12-pack that you're paying, you know, you're paying a premium for $15 for a 12-pack, and you're getting a $9 six-pack in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-mm. We changed beers, and it is good matter. Good for you. I still have to this last. Uh, I I poured uh, McFanny <laughs> ba <laughs> out, and it sounded like uh, peroxide, like just fizzing in your sink. <laughs> yep. There. No good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why don't we get into some news? Yeah, all the news. All the news we have. Oh, from this past week. So much news was breaking, guys. Yeah, this... Until we get to the main topic, I, I feel like we're just kind of treading water <laughs> with like the first half of the show because it's it's been a light week for news. Mm-hmm. It's like a light week for comics coming out for the list, so... And it's a, it, it, apparently it's been light on the beer reviews, too, guys. It's... Man, we got to shape up. What are, what are we doing? We're just hitting that like sleepy summer period now. Yeah, like yeah. We're, between summer and fall, you guys have a little bit more fall than we do down here. It's been getting into the low 80s, so it's definitely cooling off a bit. Mm, we're down to the high 60s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, would, I would love that right now. Uh, I think the one of the first things, it's something I'm interested in talking about, is the first image from Supergirl of Red Tornado. Hmm. Um, I think they're really trying to go uh, vision with this look, uh, especially with the face, um, because there's way too many different textures going on on this guy. Yeah, and that's, that's what I thought. Like When I saw the original article about, oh, first <laughs> official look at Supergirl's Red Tornado, I was like, okay, cool, because I saw the little icon that was a picture of his face, and I was like, oh, that doesn't look bad. And then I read the article, which had the full body image, and I was like, what happened to the rest of him? Why has why he got sequins on him? Yeah, like, his the body part suit of him is, like, way overly textured. It's um, like a burlap that someone threw glitter at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like it's been be- bedazzled. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think if they, like, the forehead part with that smooth metal piece, if they had brought that down across the whole face... Mm-hmm. I think it probably would have looked better, but they went with that, him having a real face. Yeah, yeah, just a painted face. Which they just painted him Paul red. Bettany from, you know, Avengers 2 look, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't work on this guy, but worked on Vision in the 
well, I didn't like the look of Page Vision on in, in the movie. I'm, just I'm like, uh, reading like the comments on the picture, like the one article from um, IO9, and it said if Sci-Fi did a movie of the week adaptation of Age of Ultron, this would probably be what they came up with for Vision. <laughs> I don't know if the like uh, the same actor who's playing Red Tornado is also playing Tio Morrow, and that's why they wanted to have him look like. Yeah, Tio Maro and have his face there, but it's just so it's just weirdly, you know, his forehead is a different texture from his face. Both his forehead and face is a different texture from the rest of his body. Like it just weird, weird flow from head to toe. Yeah, I maybe this will look better actually in motion on screen. Like, mm-hmm. but I count this one as a miss. Yeah, but yeah, it's a miss. I was gonna say yeah, but we weren't really that uh, sure about how the Flash's costume would really look until because we we're like, ah, oh, it's just kind of bikerish. But at least it wasn't bedazzled. Bedazzled, and <laughs> then they have a big old T on the front. Oh, it's not like the Red Tornado is a big, you know, staple, big post character. Like, oh yeah, we I've, the fans of Red Tornado are gonna really come out of the woodwork now. Yeah, but you can still make a good costume for yeah. a character. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, especially if it, if you're someone who is watching like um, the Young Justice cartoon, mm-hmm. and Red Tornado had a big part in that, and he was a character that you really grew to like in that show. So you're a kid who is watching that cartoon, and now Supergirl TV show is going to have that character on there. This might be a bit of a letdown depending on how they work the character well it's apparently being it is being played by Ido Goldberg both as Tio Maro and uh, as the Red Tornado and also the Red Tornado so apparently Tio Maro creates him in his own image mm. that makes sense and then, I have no problem with that then he comes to uh, National City and is going to uh, pose a grave danger to the people living there, including people that Supergirl cares about. Uh oh, they're in trouble. <laughs> I'm still excited to see Supergirl. This makes yeah, this, me feel a little more wary about it. But uh, this doesn't make me worry about it. This just makes me think like, oh, they made a bad costume choice. Yep. And I mean, like, I mean, between this and uh, Diggle's mask for season four of Arrow, like. You know, they can make some missteps when they've had some solid shows. Uh, have you seen any, like, uh, the trailers for the new Flash season? No. I've seen them posted. I haven't actually watched them yet, though. Because they have a couple, like, behind-the-scenes stuff, and they show, like, the Atom Smasher stuff. And it looks... It, technically, it looks really cool how they're doing it, because they're doing, like, real, like, growing sequences with, like, a hand on Barry, like lifting them up and growing at the same time, like, practical. Huh. It <laughs> looks really cool. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, I, I saw them, but I was like, oh, I'm already looking forward to this show. Don't right? spoil it. them to sell it to me, kind uh, of thing. But, like, my point, like, what I was getting to is, like, you have a CW, which isn't a major network, doing practical, growing Atom Smasher things, and then you have, like, a major network who's, CBS, you know, going behind a superhero show that is, you know, maybe not putting as much effort or just saying like, eh, just copy what they did in the Avengers. 
So, and uh, Chris, you were watching um, Gotham. Are you excited about the Joker making uh, an official appearance in that? Um, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed Gotham. Like even last year when we did our like TV preview for the fall, like, it was a show that I was looking forward to. We did the like our favorite shows from it. It's something that I like. It's something that I kept on watching just because of the fact that it was a show that I watched. I don't know. Like I, I'm looking forward to more Gotham. It's not as high on my list as some of the other shows that we talked about last week, but yeah, why not? Okay. Sorry. It's not something I really had thought about until you, you asked. No, me. I was just, so I, that's why I didn't have a good response. That, that's fine. I didn't mean to, throw that at you i was just no, thinking fine. about these shows and it made me think about oh yeah joker's there and with me not having watched it and i know that you have and you were enjoying it i was just wondering what your take was no the guy that they had playing like the could be joker did a really good job of it so i, I wouldn't mind seeing that guy come back okay uh another actor who's coming back is scott glenn who's going to return to the netflix daredevil series as stick for season two hmm. uh which i'm glad i was really shocked that he was only in it for really one episode um, yeah, well i like everything that they they did with him though like oh I yeah think that was the it was a good amount yeah of, i uh, for some reason i thought he would be in there a little bit longer or he'd have like more flashbacks with him but really it's just kind of that one yeah and he's you know not to ruin it for you paul because i know That's you're not going to watch it but he's like Gave him, you know, Matt Murdock the batons again, and that's after that he's really started using them in the show, hmm. which was fun. So I'm excited about that. So wait, the character named Stick gave Daredevil some sticks? Yep. Cool. You said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to him coming back too. I really enjoyed Daredevil. I want as much of that to come back as possible. Like, keep it going. Keep it going. Uh, what news did you have, Chris? Um, this is kind of spinning out of the DC Television Universe news. Um, it's been rumored that uh, Warner Brothers is going to be working on a blue uh, blue and gold movie, so Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Um, this is rumored to be directed by Smallville. Oh, not Smallville, I'm sorry. Um, Supergirl, Arrow, Flash producer Craig Berlanti with script by Zach Penn who's worked on uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, X-Men The Last Stand, which some yeah. people liked, I guess. Uh, it, but uh, also The Incredible Hulk from Marvel. Oh, the, I, the one with really Ed Norton. Like yeah. Okay. i got to make sure I get those Hulk movies right. Yeah. Um, that was on TV, like, randomly the other night, and like I came home from work and saw it was on. I was like, yeah, I could watch this again. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all just rumor at this point. Um, it's rumored to be more of a buddy cop movie with an emphasis on comedy. So well, we'll see. Fun. They're going a little bit dark with the uh, DC movie offering, so maybe this will be kind of like the break corner of it. That would be good. Because what they're doing with TV, you know, they, they kind of lighten things up a little bit with uh, The Flash. And Supergirl seems like a lot lighter. Yeah. So, you know, I would hope that they are able to do that with the cinema Universe, cinematic universe as well, because right now, man, it's it's looking pretty dismal. Like the article so I noise. read, so much noise, like, John. <laughs> I wanted to eat a cookie. 
the, the article I saw was kind of putting into perspective who Blue Beetle and Booster Gold were, and they kind of equated it to if you had Marvel's Ant-Man and Iron Man in the same movie, but they're they're friends and they work together on things. <laughs> yeah, but Blue Beetle isn't as he isn't arrogant. He is but he's kind of goofy. Well, he's it, got that like sense of humor. Yeah. It flips with Booster yeah. Gold being yeah, the arrogant one. Yeah. one. Yeah, How's that cookie, John? Oh, it's really good. Because Iron Man super one of Iron Man's superpowers is his arrogance. I think it's just it's all encompassing. Just he loves huh. being the Playboy billionaire. Loves it. <clears throat> yes, he does. Bruce Wayne wears it as I had for for news. Paul, do you have anything about computers? Oh, you know, just that GameStop is uh, taking out the downloadable codes from the PC from the bundles for consoles and putting in actual physical discs. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's kind of cool, actually. So they're like, "Oh, uh, you, you no, you don't need that DLC code. Here, have uh, an actual Madden disc." Uh, so they worked with uh, Sony, Microsoft, and EA to offer an actual disc copy of Madden instead of just the the uh, downloadable code. You know why? Because six months from now, when people trade in Madden, they want the actual they want to be able to have the people that bought the the console there with the bundle to trade it back into them and to buy a new game from yeah, them. and then buy the new Madden next year. Makes sense. So, so there you go. I'm already a man, Paul, and men drink. And my next beer is also from Magic Hat. Hey, it's from the same sample pack. And this is Miss Bliss. This is a rye ale that's been brewed with spices. Um, Ooh. What spices, you ask? They label it on there as coriander and orange zest. Ugh, coriander. It's, it's not bad, though. Um, it's definitely drinkable. It's I like rye ales. It's got a nice little bite to it, um, coupled with the coriander and that zest. I dig it. You know what coriander also goes, but another name coriander goes by, right? Hmm. Cilantro. I don't. I don't. I think they're different because uh, coriander th- is like the buds of uh, cilantro. Mm. Like it's not the full grown plant, but they are the same. They are all both taste like soap. They're See, I don't, demon I don't herbs. Like the soap. And I hate them. I don't. I don't like uh, the soap flavored one, but you, well, this do you, I like. I does like it taste like so- a- does it taste like soap when you eat cilantro? Yeah. Okay, so you, so we all have that taste? genetic defect. Yeah, oh man, so crazy. Yeah, now coriander still like it's still soapy for me too. Like because that uh, from New Holland, I got that orange, uh, orange liqueur, and it's got also a little it's bit just of, not a great orange liqueur. Yeah, it's not that great, and also uh, it's got cilantro or coriander spice in it, and just is soapy. It's just gross. Yeah, the only reason this would I would explain this as Sophie is because of the orange zest, so it's like an orange cleaner. Mm-hmm. Which I like. I like oranges. It's so hard to find a good rye beer, too. And well, it, it goes to like everything else that we were really into. Like Every brewery was doing rye beers, and then mm-hmm. they kind of stopped, just like they did with black lagers, and, uh, or black IPAs. Yep. Uh, well, it was black IP- it was rye, then black IPAs, and then this year was the the fruit zested or the citrus zested IPA, yeah, or sessions, or there was also this big session last year. Yeah, the sessions were big. Yeah, and uh, what's still big? Pumpkin ales still going strong. And uh, Anderson Valley has their yearly offering of their Pinchy Jerk Barrel, Burl, Bourbon Barrel Pumpkin Ale. Um, 
malt beverage with uh, pumpkin and spices, ancient wild turkey bourbon barrels. And they uh, this is at 8.5% alcohol by volume, so not as big as it could have been. No. Not as big as it could have been. Not as big as Big Hall. They, they, went, they went low on this one. Yeah, this is... But uh, it comes in a bomber, and it's reasonably priced, like ten ninety nine. I think. Nine ninety nine, I think. Yeah, depending on where you get it from. And uh, it's a really nice sipping, mellow pumpkin, good bourbon-y flavor on it. We've had the this nose w- is nice and sweet and vanilla. We've nice. had we've had this on the podcast before, and it's just something really to sit back and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And like I'd put this up there in my top five favorite pumpkin beers. Mm-hmm. And not just, I mean, and probably pretty high in that, um, but it because it is, it's got a great pumpkin flavor that comes through with that bourbon, really well made. And when you're making a bourbon barrel beer, like to be able to keep those pumpkin flavors there mm-hmm. with a great bite. Um, I bought this and shared it with Caitlin, and she was like wowed by it because she's not a big bourbon fan. Some mm-hmm. of the bourbon stuff she's tried with me has not been her favorite, but this is one that she was like, "You can taste the pumpkin. Like, this tastes great." And she's not a, like she's had the pumpkin beers, but I ha- I don't know one that she would say is her favorite. But I think it might be this. Yeah, this is really nice, and also it's not something you want to sit on. I would, this seems like it would just it's a little you know at the back end, a little watery. I think a lot of the flavors would disappear. So unlike pumpkin or warlock from southern tier where you can sit on it for a year and more of the vanilla and some of the other kind of flavors will go away this one will just become watery and a mess yeah i think so so i think also drink it a little uh chilled a little bit more than how we Mm -hmm. had it i think a lot more of those flavors pop too yeah i I had it out sitting all day because i was excited for the podcast so i brought it up it was in the same spot from last week Mm. had it up since last week then (laughs) (laughs) he was really excited about the podcast (laughs) Last week for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because I rearranged this whole desk. I, we wiped it down and everything since last week. Uh, but what are That's you looking forward to this week, Paul? Because there's so many great comic books coming out oh, this, this so week. So many great comic books. Uh, so many, in fact, that I'm looking for a book that came out like five years ago. Uh, it's Dark Horse is releasing their 10th volume of Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, I think it's called Volume 10, Smoke. Uh, and that reminded me that I have not picked up any of the Avatar The Last Airbender comic books from uh, Dark Horse Comics. And they come out as traits. They don't aren't released in single issues. Uh, and this these are being written by the same uh, series creators and also the writers on the television show from Nickelodeon, if you rem- can remember back in the day. Um, this follows the original cast of characters, Aang and Gang. Uh, see how see how they did that? Yeah, gang. the game. Uh, and this, uh, I'm going to look forward to their the very first offering, which is called The Lost Adventures. So this is like stories of uh, what was happening during the first three seasons or first few years of that were actually being released, you know, while the show was on. These are um, like the side. These, yeah, these are like side stories. Side, and side stories, yeah. There's 26 incontinuity stories in this book, plus bonus content so i'm very excited some of my favorite issues are one of my favorite episodes in uh avatar uh, airbender was in season two uh stories from uh what was it yeah yeah 
where it was a uh, story of, the, of Uncle Iroh uh, reminiscing about his the anniversary of his uh, son's birth, uh, who died in the original war, uh, or the start of the war. Uh, and then, you know, just Toph and, um, oh, what's her na- name? Not Sokka, Sokka's sister. I can't remember her name for whatever reason. It's been so long since oh I watched goodness, the series. How can I not remember her name? The Water Girl. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, they go out and have a like a girl date, uh, and Ang you know goes and visits the zoo of Ba Sing Se, you know, while looking for the his air bison. It's it's just you know those fun kind of side stories that delve deeper into the characters. So I'm hoping that's what I get out of this awesome uh, trade for only ten dollars. So. I'm looking yes, forward to it. I'm surprised this is something you haven't kind of delved into before, because I know one of them is actually like the search for... Yeah, The Promise, which is basically uh, Zuko, Zuko and Aang going off to look for Zuko's mother. Is that what you were going to say? I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's you, you knew exactly where I was going with it. And that's, it, that's... it seemed like the one story arc that they never finished, you know, from that series. It, it, yeah. it ends with the cliffhanger of... Zuko going to see the Fire Lord, you know, in prison, saying, "I just want to know one thing: what did he do with my mother, or where is my mother?" You know, so I think uh, it'd be cool to see where this where this goes because I enjoyed uh, Legend of Korra. Uh, I just, you know, didn't have Nickelodeon. Yeah, I, I still I, haven't finished it. Even I, when they had all the like episodes up on Nick.com, I just mm-hmm. I didn't have the time to go through and watch them all. I watched the first book of it. I haven't finished. I've watched the first three or four uh, episodes of the second book, Spirit, and I just yeah haven't gone back to actually finish it. So, but uh, I enjoy I enjoy Ang and that crew so a little bit more than I do. I love Cora as a character, but her side characters, you know, her supporting cast, I, not as much of a hook. Bosco and isn't as cute as the uh, lemur. I'm looking forward to uh, you buying this so I can read it. Yeah. Did you did you all finish the original series? Yeah, we yeah. did them yeah. all from the show. Yeah, that's yeah, we, we loved it. Good. Yeah. yeah, that's why I was excited for Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Chris, what are you excited to pick up for this week? Um, this is a book that I just actually picked up a couple weeks ago. Uh, the number one because I fell behind on my comics, but uh, this is going to be Runaways number four. Um, very much in tone with what the original runways were, uh, but this is taking place in the Secret Wars, like, Battle World universe. Um, which I don't have the name of the writer and the artist in front of me, because I forgot to write it down. Um, but I like it. It's uh, a whole mess of new characters. They're all at, like, a do preparatory school, and they're basically going through supervillain training. Uh, and I was right, because, yes, it does have one of the original runaways here uh, with Molly. Oh, good. So, yeah, it's a it's a fun book. I like it. Uh, even though I've only read the first issue, it's one of those ones that since I have like no other books coming out this week, it's literally just this one, and then I can't even remember what the other book was. Uh, I'll start going through the back catalog and picking up like you know Runaways number two, and then you know other random book that I missed out on just when I had no money. John, uh, I am going to be picking up <clears throat> uh, Fifty Years of Shield. Fury number one. Uh, this is written by David Walker, art by Lee Ferguson, and this is a mission 50 years in the making. When a villain from the past shows up to in the present day, Nick Fury is forced to team up with 
Nick Fury Sr. Uh, will Nick Fury of the present be able to work alongside his father? Boom, boom, boom. I didn't know they were related till just this moment. I didn't either. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I figured I'd check it out. I enjoy old Nicholas Fury. I don't know too much of the Nick Fury that's running around now. Um, you know, you see him pop up here or there, but, you know, to me, never nothing's ever been said, like, who he definitively is. I thought they just replaced Nick Fury with Nick Fury. Uh, right. Um, but now that I know it's his son, it makes so much more sense. It really does. Uh, so um, I'd look. I like it. I really enjoyed. Um, what was it? Rick Remender's um, Winter Soldier <laughs> book that ha- that had Nick Fury in it and that other Shield agent. I enjoyed the Shield stuff um, with the spy and the espionage and who knows what. So I'm looking forward to checking it out. <clears throat> and uh sorry I'm buying comic books because I was like oh comic books comic books, comic books. <laughs> I'm yeah. like oh I should just buy this uh, Ang issue right now and I'm like oh what other issues have I missed I better catch up because mm. I'm mm. on the website yeah. but uh yeah let's get let's get right into uh maybe a dramatic reading a dramatic reading that's what I was Ooh. waiting for that's what you're waiting for that's what I was oh, waiting for oh I don't want to keep you waiting and now Magnum Boardcast presents a dramatic reading from DC Comics Bombshells, page four, panel one. Gotham City, 1940. The Batwoman. The local celebrity smashing her opponents on and off the diamond. And that was a dramatic reading from DC Comics Bombshells, page four, panel one. Uh, when I thought I had to do that panel, I was going to do it the exact same way. <laughs> you got to go 1940s like radio announcer. Oh, yeah. I was looking for a sports-related like comic book panel, and I'm like, oh, I really want to make it about football because, you know, Bills versus Patriots today. Uh, very interested in that game. So uh, eh, this was close. It was baseball. There you go. It was Batwoman. Batwoman. She was up to bat. Oh, up to Batwoman. Mm-hmm. We didn't discuss who was starting. Yeah, we didn't so. discuss who was going to start us off after so, going back from break. Hey, but that's okay, because that happens sometimes. Hey, Chris, what and are you some, drinking? Another beer? From, we, have, we have another beer to drink. Sorry. Uh, and you got another beer from Magic Hat, Chris? I do. How did you know? It's like you have a variety of them right in front of you. I and know, you're just like sampling I'm, them. <laughs> what a pack that I'm sampling from, exactly. Um, no, I have probably what's going to be considered the most seasonal of these beers because the other one, the ale, is just a red ale. The other one is a rye ale. Uh, the next one is the Wilhelm Scream, which is their, uh, it's a seasonal pumpkin beer. I think we've had uh, this last year. I think we had it last year or at least two years ago. Yeah, the Wilhelm Scream, because I think we discussed what a Wilhelm Scream is. It's, it's possible. It sounds like something that we would have done, and it's definitely a beer that you guys can probably find there. I don't know if I had this one before. Hmm. Um, I haven't actually checked to see if it was one I had when I checked into it. I'm going to see um, if I can put in the Wilhelm scream in, in this podcast while you talk you about it. You probably find it. It's it's basically everywhere. Yes. Um, I, I like this. It's a better pumpkin than some of the other ones I've had so far this year. I would put this above something like the... Oh, I can't remember the brewery that made it, but 
It was called The Gourd Shorts. I had that like two episodes ago. I'd put this above the Terrapin, like Pumpkin Fest, the Uinta Pumpkin. It's it's a good solid pumpkin ale. Solid. Is it enough to make you scream like this? <laughs> good job, Paul. Way to produce. Um, it's not like I was actually talking to someone I work with about pumpkin beers recently, um, and just. Like I made known the fact that I think, which one call it, uh, pumpkins like my favorite, and like warlock. I love those. Uh, those weren't his favorite. I can't remember which ones he liked, but I basically stopped listening to him because I was like, no, those are great. <laughs> this one, it's better than some of the other ones I've had. It's still not up to the level of a lot of the other ones. There's nothing really stand out about it. It's not going to wow you if you've tried a lot of pumpkin beers like we've had um it's got that little bit of gourd it's got some nice spices to it but i would still probably pick up something like a pumpkin or mm-hmm. a warlock or like the the shipyard um put that over this like the pumpkin and the warlock they're kind of like on that upper echelon of the beers and like below that are these kind of like we got to make a pumpkin beer. Let's make a pumpkin beer. And you have like, like a country pumpkin. Blue Point. Like all those guys just making Jack a pumpkin. Adams, Jack Adams. Uh, pumpkin Jack or Fat Jack. And, yeah. and I do – like the Wilhelm Scream is good. Like I oh. <laughs> I wanted to press the button when he said the name again. But, uh, Why, I'm surprised he didn't. Because... I, I... <laughs> I'm sorry. That was slow. It was really loud <laughs> in my headphones. Uh but it's um it's a scream John it needs to be loud it's it's actually it's actually up there in that in those beers like mm-hmm. I actually think because uh, I had it recently that the Wilhelm scream <laughs> was actually uh really decent like I was I was surprised because I know I had had it like last year or the year before and this year when I had it on tap I was like no that's pretty good that's that's really good mm-hmm. okay I'd like to have this on tap I mean instead of just pulling it out of a like a sampler that's been on my counter for like the past two days. Uh, are those bottles or cans? They're bottles. Bottles. Because they did see they had a craft pack uh, in cans. Hmm, really? Three different beers. That'd be interesting. I- I'm glad that... I- I'm imagining well, one of them's probably number nine. Probably. <laughs> I'm glad that more people are, or more uh, microbreweries are doing canning. Because I enjoy cans. They just take up less room in the fridge. And I can also bring them to parks where glass is not allowed. And it's just easier. You know, it's easier for those kind of things. Uh, and they're sealed airtight. Mm-hmm. There's no light getting to them. It keeps the beer a little bit better. I, I kind of want to go back to something that you were saying before, uh, John. Like, pumpkin beers are something that everybody's doing, but I think it's something that everybody's kind of looking for this time of year. I mean, pumpkin spice is becoming, like, a huge thing, so why not tap into that? Um, I mean, we've done multiple years where we've tried, like, any pumpkin beer we can find. Like, I'm I'm doing it right now, you know? No. Yeah. It, it's just, it's one of those things, it's seasonal, it's, like, contemporary. It's something that I like. I, I'm much happier doing a, like, pumpkin beer month than I would be Oktoberfest, like, month again. Which, Oktoberfest was just the other day, too, by the way. We didn't talk about that. Yeah, it just started. Um I don't know. I, I like pumpkin. I will always give anything pumpkin or 
like a spice pumpkin flavor, like a shot? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree wholeheartedly last year or the year before. This year, I'm just looking forward to the pumpkin beers that I know I really like. Pumpkin, See, Warlock. I'm looking forward to that, too. Um, like that's why that's why I haven't bought any of those ones yet, and I'm trying to get through like all the stuff that I haven't had. That way, it's like the light at the end of the tunnel. It's like that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Well, then if you think about it, all that money you've spent on the beer that you're like, that's nah, all right. It's like we got a four pack of this beer. Yeah, I tried it, but could have had a pumpkin. True, but at that point too, it's like who knows? Like one of those other beers that I had could have been that knockout that could have been the I'm, I'm sorry i can't remember the name of it it's the one that you guys love that i didn't it's like the werewolf on it and oh dark of the moon dark of the moon yeah like i'm one still of looking for that beer it's my unicorn beer, beer right beer now me, you know mm-hmm. and that's why it, I it, it sucks that i haven't found that beer yet but at least i'll have you know that warlock sitting in the fridge like mm-hmm. you know in two weeks and that's why i buy number ones mm-hmm all the time. All the time. <laughs> uh, I, I'm in an internet uh, rabbit hole about this whole Wilhelm scream. <laughs> uh, apparently, the researchers think uh, that Sheb Woolley did the is the actual person doing the scream, who's better known for uh, the novelty song, The Purple People Eater. Really? Yeah, yeah. The 1958 I've never hit. heard the Wilhelm scream in Purple People Eater, though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, oh, they, hey, they, I, I just... I've turned back on my tablet, and I have the writer and artist for Runaways number four in front of me now. Oh, good. Because I'm dumb. What, do you want to give it to him? Noelle Stevenson writing and art by Sanford Green. Oh, you, you know, they were collaborators on the uh, Purple Peter People Leader song, right? And they were also collaborators on Runaways number one, oh. which I read like last week, and I liked it. Uh, they also uh, wrote into the podcast at contact.begmanborkast.com to let us know that one of their favorite session ales is a uh, introvert session IPA from Left Hand Brewing, which John and I are now drinking because of their recommendation. You guys have had like a decent number of sessions over the past couple weeks too. Uh, I just enjoy them because they're low lower alcohol. So this is a four point eight, four point five, somewhere in that range. Uh, I'm missing it now. Four point eight, and I enjoy them. They're lighter. They give me that nice hop. Uh, punch up front and then kind of like this one doesn't ghost away it lingers no. and it's uh, I think this is a, one of the strongest IP, uh, session IPAs I've had it's got a big pop especially mm-hmm. after just drinking a bourbon aged pumpkin beer that this pop mm-hmm. is just sitting on the back of my tongue that hop is just mm-hmm. sitting there uh, no this is definitely really good session um, nice really nice cold yeah I've How been would you compare it to something like the Founders All Day IP? Because that's the session that I've probably drank the most of. Because, like you said, it, it's I it think this has that pop. It doesn't kind of water out. Um, I think you have a wet, with the Founders. You have really well balanced flavors that you drink mm-hmm. and you can enjoy. This is like when you were first starting to drink IPAs, and you're like, oh man. It's just big flavor, and it's just sitting on my tongue. This is all resin. This yeah. is all hop resin. And, and it's, if you like it, then you'll like this. But yeah. this is, it doesn't have that citrus. It's like all rind, none of the citrus. 
You know what I mean? When yeah. I'm saying yeah. hop resin. Especially like, on the like nose, you the, get that. The peel, not the flavor. Yeah, yeah. So it's got that hop punch. You, and it's a one-note hop punch. It's not a... So whereas the all-day IPA, I think, has more of that citrusy rind. If you gave this to me and just said it was an IPA, I would believe you. Mm-hmm. Like, not, I wouldn't think I it was like a session. session. Yeah. Uh, it's really nice. It's really enjoyable. It kind of takes me back to those, um, like, Hercules IPA. Like, I haven't had that in probably, like, mm. five, six years, you know? And it's like, oh, it reminds me of that from, um, what is that, Boulder? Hercules is from Boulder. Cause, yeah, yeah, Boulder, yeah, yeah. Boulder, Great Divide. Yeah. Great Divide. Great Divide. That's what you're thinking. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's like it's taken me back to those other big IPAs that I mm-hmm. used to like that I just haven't touched because I'm constantly on the lookout for something new. For something new, yeah. And I've kind of enjoyed going back to these beers. Yeah. We should and do a going back to beers. Well, that's kind of what our main topic is. is it's hey. going back to characters that we liked and for whatever reason you know they didn't get the spotlight with the publishers or something and then all of a sudden they get uh, a refocus and you read a storyline and you're like oh right this is why i enjoyed this character or oh this is this writer gets the one reason i enjoyed this character and i'm glad this new writer is focusing on this again and here we are you know and uh we're we're going back to school, so let's go back to cool with these characters. Uh, what story arc uh, got you back into really loving and really following a comic book series or character? This is your baby, buddy. Started off. Started off. Uh, I think the New Fifty Two had a lot of fumblings, a lot of failings. Um, coming out of Convergence, I, I don't know what they changed. It's not like a big. I don't know what changed in the continuity. I have no idea. But one of the things they did get right was the relaunch of Animal Man, uh, a character that we haven't seen since the early aughts uh, from Ver- the Vertigo line with uh, Grant Morrison doing it. Uh, and Grant Morrison, unfortunately, he he started the character, cool superhero family guy. He's he's trying to you know bounce family and being this career superhero while being a career movie uh uh what is it stunt double you know because he has these powers so it's not like he's going to get hurt so he can do these outrageous stunts and that's how he's going to support his family while being a superhero on the side because he has to and uh then it gets kind of bigger and crazier and gets away from that family story and Jeff Lemire, uh, out of New 52, was able to refocus this and say, okay, this is a character that's struggling as a superhero. He's not like got any team affiliation, but it's what he does. It's what he knows how to do. And he's trying to support his family and make time for his family. And uh, I think this story is really about a father, and, a father who has a more deep connection with one of the daughters because, well, his daughter has the same kind of connection, the superhero connection, but shares an interest or a talent, and the other, uh, his son, doesn't have that talent. So it's it's this balancing of the relationship with the one child that it's easy to relate to because they share a talent, and the other one it's harder to relate to, and that struggle between 
the kid like wanting to give up on forging a relationship uh, because he sees how easy it is with the with this uh, with the parent with the other sibling with the sibling and this kind of anger and emotional tension there all the while uh, Scott Snyder and Jeff Lemire are doing this huge story about the dead coming back to life and this battle between the green the black and the red but it really distills down to the relationships between uh, a father with his daughter and with his son and you know being able to really focus that story back into that really made me re-click with this character right away again because by the end of the third volume of Animal Man with Grant Morrison, I was like, Grant Morrison was showing up. It was Morrisoning it, it, itself out. It was just, you know, Red Sock Morrison was going to show up soon. It was going to get crazy. <laughs> uh, Jeff Lemire, uh, starting with number one of New 52, really was able to condense down the story again. That whole run, that 24-issue run of Animal Man out of New 52, great. I highly suggest it. Yeah, uh, no, definitely. And um, like, I, I, I bought you the first trades of Animal mm-hmm. Man because I was like, I think this is something that Paul would really like. Um, and then it wasn't till really I had a connection with Animal Man till um, fifty two, mm-hmm. and that's when I got to know this character. And all right, and out of fifty two, the. Okay. Yeah. The, the yeah. I'm sorry. Major yeah, the, crossover. The, 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 um, the weekly series. The weekly series. Yeah. They, Spinning out of uh, not infinite. Infinite, yeah, crisis. infinite crisis. Yes. Yeah. Infinite uh, crisis. And that's when I got a taste of him. And then yeah, when he's like, oh, he's getting his own series. Oh wow. Like that's when you're you kind of jump back into you know the boat with him. Not that he was really had too much going on. Uh, after that, I think he had like one miniseries happen uh, between the between yeah. Uh, Len Wein uh, wrote a miniseries, "The Last Days of Animal Man," which happened in the near futureish, you yeah. know, where it's like Justice League that aren't really the Justice League, and you know, it's like the sons and daughters of the Justice League, and like um, uh, Green Lantern is a space whale, and everything, and it's just weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, Jeff Lemire's Jeff Lemire's run on that was definitely brought it back. Brought it back to the family mm-hmm. and brought it to the scary. Like, oh, yeah. it definitely, what do you do with Animal Man? How do you do this? And then, well, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought to go there, but it works that they went there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the whole, you know, crossover, the red and the black and, you know, death, it made sense because it was all there. And you, you Scott Snyder's, you know, him and Jeff Lemire working together, especially with the, crossover with Swamp Thing, but... And actually, I like that addition to the new 52. Like, it added a little bit more depth to mm-hmm. the line of comics, and kind of created almost like a new mythology in them, like having those different avatars of the green, or the black, or the red. It, it's something underneath the surface there that they didn't have before, even though like the characters that they had tapping into those abilities has always existed, but there was no line kind of drawn between them. Yeah, well, we saw that it was it worked in some ways, but then they, like, backtracked with Beast Boy being red-skinned. Is that the correct term? Yeah, like, yeah, he was a, he was a red when they relaunched him. Red, red fur, right? Like, 
green. Mm-hmm. Now he's is green how again. people recognize that character. Yeah, so they went back and now he's green again. But you know, he has a connection to the red, even though he's green. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's definitely mm-hmm. something that yeah, that's a good choice for that. Uh, and I'm I'm gonna kind of jump in and piggyback on Paul because I think my first pick follows up well because this is a character that I was excited to see more of this year with his movie coming out. And I was not let down because the Nick Spencer Ant-Man series kind of hit on some of those same notes with the superhero and the family trying to be there on every single front that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, that's why I picked Ant-Man volume one and it's available on Amazon as the trade paperback called second chance man. (laughs) Uh, and I've talked about this book so much over the past year, talked about the movie over the past year, that I feel like this is probably going to be like the last time I can actually talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because nobody considers themselves like an Ant-Man fan. But if you want to start leaning towards that way, I think reading this book would be the way to go because it has such heart. There's such fun to it. Um, reading this is what inspired us to do the trade paperback of a superior of Spider-Man like two months ago now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. I can't remember when we actually did like what the episode number was, but um, you'll be able to find that on the site. But this book just kind of fires on every front, and it's just about someone that fails as a superhero, as a like businessman, but he won't let himself fail as a father. And I, I think it's a uh, great message to carry through this book because yeah you know what he is kind of a terrible character and so much of the movie was him showing that no like I can be better and so much of the book was the same way no I would definitely agree that's it's definitely you know us us as well always think Ant-Man is Hank Pym Mm -hmm. and that was just because that's kind of who was Ant-Man in our kind of history, but I think Scott Lang really becomes that character for us. You know, we'd read him before in the past. We'd really passed on him, Mm -hmm. but this Ant-Man made him shine, kind of showed us this human side of the character. And I think it worked really, really well. Even just like going back to like young Avengers when that started coming out in 2000, Six, maybe? I can't even remember. But with Cassie Lang as one of the stars of that book, he was he was dead at that point. Like, Scott Lang was no longer in the Marvel Universe. So <laughs> this character really had, just like, like I said, like a second chance with everything that's happened over the past couple of years here. And I feel like this is a strong showing for him. Yeah, definitely. Man, if only there was something stronger than Ant-Man. Uh, and that would be uh, my pick, which is going to be the Incredible Hulk. The strongest there is. Uh, the Return of the Monster. Oh, okay. Uh, this was the Bruce Jones uh, written storyline, which got me into the Hulk. Uh, I had read books from before. I had watched the reruns of the TV show. I knew who the Hulk was. I wasn't buying the comic books. I'd buy one here or there. Nothing hooked me with this. And then um, 
Marvel did this great thing where like we're instantly releasing trades. And I started getting interested in wanting to read it because they kept putting up these really cool Hulk uh, covers. Mm -hmm. You know, they had um, just like these classic art, um, classic art redone with, you know, Hulk sitting uh, at the milk counter with the boy looking at Adam, the... um, can't think of it. It's, it's all uh, Norman Rockwell inspired. Yes, yeah, and uh, uh, those were done by Carrie Andrews, who did the uh, the Iron Fist book. That yeah, came out like two years ago. I can't remember what it was called now. Um, but yeah, they they had several different you know kinds. They had one that looked like a pop cereal box and all this stuff. And because they were like releasing those trades so right away, I was able to buy one and two. And once I'd finished reading those, pick right up with the series. And I collected it all the way till what would be volume six. And then it started getting a little too weird. But this puts Bruce Banner back on the run, trying to hide from everyone, trying to keep the Hulk under control, which, you know, you'd had, you've had Smart Hulk, you've had Mr. Fix-It, you've had all these different versions of the Hulk, but this kind of brought it all back down, grounded it, something that he didn't want to get, you know, to break loose. He was trying to control him, and the whole time there's this government, not government plot to get the Hulk, to get the Hulk's DNA, and he's talking to Samson through the computers. Like, there's all these great little plots as a Hulk book that's trying, like, almost not to be a Hulk book. Mm-hmm. You don't want the monster to come out, you don't want this to happen. And it was one of the only times that I've collected a huge run of the Hulk. Because after this, I really have never cared. Every once in a while, I'll try to dip my toe back in, but this is the only time that I was like, yes, Hulk. The Hulk is cool. This book is it. Mm-hmm. And um, it just really just carried on through that whole, basically the, that whole Bruce Jones's run. And uh, he kind of came out from... Had, Almost like in semi-retirement, Bruce Jones, and I think he's back, like back into like that semi-retirement where he's not writing anything now. Because I always yeah. try to look for him. I always try to find a hey, new story by him. After that, he did a Batman run, right? I think so. Yeah, and he actually created the love. Oh, what was the love interest? Uh, she became an OMAC. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I forget what her name Cassan- is. Uh, Cousin. Sandmark? No, not Sandmark. That's Cassie Sandmark, who I'm thinking of, and that's Wonder Girl. Um, yeah, uh, she becomes a. She Is that becomes, a checkmate? Yeah, yeah she, she was in checkmate, checkmate, and then oh, Sasha. Sasha, 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 yeah, Sasha yeah. Bordeaux. There it is. Oh, really? Creator? No, that you're thinking about. I think Greg Rucka did that. Okay, maybe, but I, uh, know. I know he picked up on that and ran with uh, the love interest between them with Bruce Jones. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's like there we go. It has an X. Crater Greg Rucka, you are correct. Uh, yeah, I just I I don't know how to spell that name. It's like a weird French name. B O R D E A U X. Uh, she was in Checkmate, created by Greg Rucka. Uh, but I think. 
that um but anyways it, that doesn't matter what matters is uh so we heard about your marvel pick john did he have a dc pick no no okay did he have another pick yeah okay um and this will be out a book that i love a book that I talk about all the time. I'll be real quick about it. Uh, Hawkeye. Right. Because out of complete left field, this book about a character, a superhero who in the book is basically not the superhero. Um, Matt Fraction and David Aja just nailed it for me. Brought it completely to something I had never had, almost like an anti-comic book, mm-hmm. an anti-superhero comic book. Um, and I can't say how much I love it, and I'm still continuing on. I, I'm enjoying the Jeff Lemire, who is building off of what Fraction had done, um, and and making it still his own with the flashbacks and what's going on and everything. But I'll I'll leave it real quick at that. <laughs> how about you, Chris? You got a uh, another pick in you? Um, well, it's funny that we were talking about Sasha Bordeaux because one of my DC characters I had written down is actually. Uh, Batman, but this was from the Bruce Wayne murderer uh, story arc. And I think if you wanted to know who Batman is and who everyone else is around him, this was a great arc to kind of outline who all these characters were. And this was actually the first time that I read Sasha Bordeaux because she had already been existence at this point, but she was operating as Bruce Wayne's bodyguard, but then also as like a vigilante with no name, trying to keep him safe on both fronts um but i i really love this and i've always been a batman fan but this was like the first batman arc that i kind of followed i picked it up all in trade because it led into the bruce wayne fugitive uh crossover between all the bat family books Hmm. Uh, just batman family being batman family and all at its core it's a murder mystery and i feel like we don't get a lot of batman being the detective in like the early 2000s that's true. Yeah. In the early 2000s. Yeah, because now he's all he's all detective. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, my book is something that we've talked about like near the beginning of this podcast quite a bit, and so I won't go, we won't go too long into it. And that's Fantastic Four, written by Jonathan Hickman. Uh, uh, right before Jonathan Hickman's run, uh, there was Mark Millar tried to take over it with uh, uh, Brian Hitch, right? And they try to bring it back to, and make it cooler, and it just didn't work. And Fantastic Four has always been one of those books where I keep on, will always get, dip my toe into it. Like saying, oh, this is going to be a fun book, big science fiction, but really the heart will be the family. And it most of the time, uh, at least since Mark Wade went off the book, uh, it wasn't that. It just, Who did the Marvel Knights for the... Steve McNiven. Uh, that was Millar and... Uh, no, that was Roberto Aguirre here. Oh. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. Okay, and then Millar was on the fan, uh, Marvel Knights Spider-Man then. Yeah, he did the Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah. But that was really good, too. <laughs> but it was like from there, that Marvel Knights, and then it was three, four years until the Hickman. Oh, it was longer than that. Uh, yeah. It was, it was way longer than that. It was okay. way longer than that. Yeah. Uh, and then Hickman finally brought it back to focus on that. Fa- Reed Richards trying to do this big science and while balancing the family and knowing that he wasn't giving enough time to his family. So, uh, really great series. Uh, go check it out. And talking about going back to school, 
you know, he basically sets up a whole school called the Future Foundation to a, to be able to spend more time with his kids. Because the kids, he had to do something about his kids. Val was going to become evil. <laughs> you know it. You know it. She had my mad scientists written all over her face. Still uh, does. Still does. Kind of funny because in um, the Secret Wars, Battle World stuff, in Runaways, she's actually the head of like the Doom Academy. She's <laughs> like the chairperson of it. Makes sense. Because she went off to be like, no, if I don't go and take, an, uh, take a look after Uncle Victor, Victor Von Doom, uh, bad things are going to happen. And there's stuff that I can learn from him that I just can't learn here. So she runs away. Go be with Doom. Yes, and if you want to check out any of these books, uh, just look at the show notes for this episode number 276 because there will be links to all of them on Amazon. And this will actually be through our Amazon link, so it will help support the Bag and Boardcast a bit. Yeah, and we always appreciate you supporting the Bag and Boardcast by leaving us ratings and reviews. It's not even any, we don't even ask for uh, monetary donations or anything like that. We just ask for your time. Uh, we appreciate you coming back every week and listening to us ramble on. So uh, thank you for that. You can get, contact us, and we want to hear your ramblings, and you can do that over at our Facebook page. Or you can email us, contact at com or individually, John, Paul, or Chris at com. 